You're listening to the Fueled by the Outdoors podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe, tell us what you think in the comment section, and leave us a review. I just hammered a good one. Drop the Asher. Never seen that deer before. It's a tough pill to swallow after having that deer at 18 yards. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Rick Cates, co-host Chris Leppert. What's up? Kickstand Josh Luck. Hey, everyone. And tonight we are joined by the one and only Pierce Moore. What's up, guys? There's only one. Does, does anybody else feel like Josh's greeting is, uh, what's a little, what's a little dude? Was it South Park? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Hanky. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm just excited to be on here. I haven't been on in a while. Yeah. I know. Well, I guess you haven't been on since uh, everyone should be, uh, should know, Josh had a baby. I did. I had a little boy. And uh, we're all happy for him, and he complains about it sleeping too long. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, be that as it may, uh, Josh is, your son's name is Theo, correct? Yep. Theodore Luck. Theodore, Theodore Christopher Luck. Luck. It's Theodore Allen. Chris, Chris likes to throw his name in there. It's a good, strong name. I just want to let you know that when you talk about Josh complaining about his kid, his newborn, sleeping too long, it gives me the urge to create edits within this podcast. <laughs> such as the word. I'm telling you, he freaked uh, us out with that long sleep. Had to check well, on him. I don't blame you. I'm going to so, but <laughs> but anyways, enough about Josh's kid. We're 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 not here to talk about parenting stuff. We're here to talk about deer, and specifically, Pierce. You put down a really nice buck in Ohio. What's it been now? About three, four weeks ago. Yeah, it was the last weekend in October. October twenty eighth was it? Twenty eighth. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it would have been it would have been the twenty eighth because no twenty ninth because uh third sounds right. Yeah, it's somewhere around there because yeah, Halloween on the yeah, yeah, Halloween was a Monday. Um, it was a weekend after I shot my buck, and then Chris, it was the same weekend that you shot your buck. Same day, like same literally hour apart. Yep. Yeah, but. Unlike the rest of us here, we have a CrossFit legend speaking to us about this because he did it with something that we've not seen <laughs> done before. <laughs> so, Pierce, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get more into that story here after a little while. But, Pierce, uh, we, you know, we we really want you to tell this story because it, it's such a cool thing that you were able to do. You took your first deer with a uh, recurve correct your first buck with a recurve yep first buck with a recurve i killed a doe probably shoot it's been it's actually been five years wow got my first one with the recurve but well good deal so i i guess kind of walk us through you know you know scouting setting up equipment you know what happened that day? You know, we'll kind of leave the, the, the table open for you to kind of go through everything and, you know, put it all out there. Uh, coordinates in my, uh, in my text messages would be nice too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can do that. <laughs> so actually I, I ran cameras on this farm last year and I hunted that it was actually the farm that I hunted, uh, the last day of season. And I was I was after a couple of good ones out there. After all the couple of years of discouragement and failure after failure, I kind of put the cameras away this year and just went hunting. So it was actually my first trip out to that particular farm. I got permission from the landowner the night before he gave me the green light to go out there. I had a east wind and it was going to be blowing towards this bedding area 
and I stayed up on top of a of a ridge and I put I just put a ton of deer piss out in front of me to where that deer piss would carry really close to the bedding area but where I was up on top of the hill I was hoping that my thermals would kind of keep all of my scent up higher and my wind would be blowing out across a, an open um, cut bean field so the idea was I was hoping that I could catch something cruising the downwind side of that bedding area and later on that morning I would I'd get a little bit lucky and I I caught that buck moving and he was working his way down a draw with the wind kind of in his in his favor and I had actually just thrown I had thrown a grunt out just messing around with a uh, this is a little six or seven point buck he was chasing some yearling does around and I was just trying to get good film and see if I could get him to come up the hill towards me well about five minutes later I looked to my right and I could see this buck he was looking in my direction and he was he was coming right at me and he started up the hill towards me and I, as soon as I saw him I knew I knew it was a buck that I was I was going to shoot if he would come in and give me a shot so next thing I know he he's coming right at me straight up the hill towards me and when he hit that deer pee he just he was locked he was locked on that deer pee and he was kind of trying he had his head to the ground trying to pick pick up the where the doe had kind of went through well um he's you guys will get to see in the video he throws out a bunch of grunts and he starts coming right into my shooting lane and i basically i like to put the deer pee out just to kind of slow him down and get him to stop in that little uh whatever my window is that i'm gonna try to shoot on. <laughs> but um he comes in and he he's at seven yards and he, he's so close and i i wasn't hunting too awful high off the ground because I didn't want my shot angle to be too crazy um, being that I was on the side of a hill. So I didn't stop him and I let the arrow fly and I hit him right behind the shoulder and he ran out to probably 60 yards. And I, I was a little nervous because there was a good bit of arrow still sticking out of him. And I, I think I said in the video, I think I said, I, I said, uh, dear god i i said something <laughs> god bless is what i said yeah. and then yeah yeah he took two more steps and i kid you not he tipped over and i i couldn't believe it i was awestruck and then i melted but it was it was something special it was pretty crazy not my biggest fear so by a long shot oh my god <laughs> but the, the excitement was the same as if i would have killed a 190 inch deer i was freaking stoked that yeah. and hearing you talk about putting the camera was away and just going hunting mm -hmm. man like i ran a few cameras this year really in ohio i didn't need to i mean Ohio was just one of those, it's one of those places where I didn't need to run a camera. Um, Kentucky, I set one because I'm a genius and carried like five cameras through the mountains with me and put one on a tree. Real well done there. Um, <laughs> of course, I get there and there's basically zero intel. Like, here's some bucks that at one time in your life were alive. <laughs> That's pretty much no, it, you know, to to a degree, I I, I kind of did the same, and it, it was just like, it's been so nice this year not having the oh I need to go buy corn oh I need to run cameras are my camera batteries okay I don't care like I just it's just one of those things where you're 
more focused on scouting and woodsmanship and advice from buddies and stuff like that than a camera. Don't get me wrong, cameras are great and they're a great tool, but we've had a kajillion conversations about they probably hurt you just as much as they help you, maybe even more. Um, you know, between bucks avoiding cams and then, you know, for the guys, you know, before last year, myself included, if you're not getting pictures, they're, oh, well, I won't hunt then. And then come to find out, you go check the camera that isn't a cell camera or something, and you're like, oh, my God, he was here for a week straight in daylight. I'm a moron. Should have just went hunting. Or so you get one deer cruises through one time, and it's a 190-inch deer, and you get amped up, and you're like, that's the only farm I'm hunting. Yeah. And then the deer never shows up. And at 2017, had that 170-ish yeah. inch 12 show up and haunted, sat in the same tree like a genius the whole time. And now I look back, and I'm like, yeah, you wasted a lot of time. Prime example that Josh Luck likes to give that I did, uh, it was 2020 when we had the heat wave first week of November. Oh, uh, yeah. Farm I got out in Adams County. Oh, I'm going to save that for gun season. Buddy's come up from Georgia. Ah, it's hot. I don't get on big deer when it's cold there. We're not going to go hunt there. Then I go and pull the card, and there's a, you know, you figured him at 160-plus inch nine-pointer. Just, I mean, he had to be bedded 50 to 100 yards from the camera for a week straight. and. You know, I went in there, probably blew that deer out that day, and, you know, only ever got nighttime pictures of that deer afterwards. So just one of those things where I think you, you know, like you say, just got to go hunting, man, and it feels good. It's nice. It, it it takes some pressure out of there, I think. Well, it also, <clears throat> it also frees up family time and stuff, too. I'm typically, when I was running cameras, I'd take the kids with me, but it just makes makes things that much tougher just extra expenses and extra time away from the family added pressure and mm -hmm. it was just it was just nice to simply go hunting on and hunt a downwind side of a bedding area and try to kill a deer i yep. mean it just as simple and as pure as it gets. So let's go through your setup a little bit, starting with um, let's let's talk about your trad setup and then your uh, like stand stick, whatever you're using setup. Uh, tell me a little bit about your your trad setup. So basically, my trad setup is I'm shooting a zipper. Um, can't remember the exact uh, model or whatever, but uh, I'm shooting 50 pounds. I'm shooting, a, I want to say, total arrow weight would be around uh, like 600 grains. I'm at like Jeez. 450, what? About three, I think around. 350 or three it was 375 total up front wow. so, and that was with the afflictor broadhead that i think it's the k2 mini you shooting the k2 mini one yeah. and a half inch is it green yeah i think so okay, okay. That's, the, that's the hybrid right yep yeah, yeah. hybrid head yeah i feel like you don't see too many guys shooting the hybrid out of a trad setup no the reason i went to it was because the actual owner of afflictor I, that's what he shoots out of his yeah, yeah he um chris, kind of turned onto it yeah chris mentioned that to me and i did a double take it was when we were, i think it was when we were doing our podcast yeah, it was when you did the podcast said, with chris creed i'm sorry what did you just say to me 
You said you use an uh, an expanding mechanical broadhead in a trad setup. Oh yeah. Wow, I'm going to talk to Pierce about that. Um, Probably just pissed a lot of trad guys off, but <laughs> probably. <laughs> you know what's funny too is I noticed you you struggled with penetration on that. I haven't gotten great penetration out of mine, but I'm almost starting to dive down a new rabbit hole, develop a theory, if you will, that I don't really care. <laughs> like when you watch deer die within you know 50 60 yards nearly every time the one that i haven't got to watch die yet was the worst shot i've made on a deer in a while um super uh quartered away and it hit the shoulder blade pretty forward and glanced off and just i thought for sure i made a bad bad shot to the point that we had a wounded deer that I wasn't going to find. And when I walked down and picked the arrow up, I looked at it, blades are fully deployed and it's just laying on the ground. And I thought, Oh my God, I just wounded a deer. Good job, stupid. And I looked around and I was like, Holy shit. It looks like a murder scene here. There's blood everywhere. And she made it probably about 200, 250 yards. But I cut um, an artery. I'm pretty sure it was not the carotid artery. I think it was like the brachial artery or something. Whatever it was, she bled like a stuck hog and was not alive very long. She was just able to run off. And then I heard her stop and walk. And you could tell from the blood, she walked the whole way and then just fell over in the pasture. So um, every other single one, like my opening day buck, arrow went halfway in. And I, like you did, I freaked out. And I'm trying to rip arrows out of the quiver to, you know, follow up. Look over and the deer fell over dead. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think that, I think it's, I think it's good to say like Pierce, you shot one with an afflictor. Chris, you shot three with an afflictor. Three. I've shot one with an afflictor. And I think with, with the exception of that doe, all of them has fallen within sight of, Oh um, yes. I mean, the yeah. one mine ran over the top of the hill, but I heard it crash and went down, but I mean, it was literally right over the top of the hill. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what that I will say. My my Kentucky buck did not die in sight because for whatever reason, um, and y'all correct me if you know you think I'm wrong, but it's pretty rare that I have a very hurt deer run uphill, and he only had to go like forty yards up the hill. Mm -hmm. he, he made it to the top and literally crested the other side and rolled over like he was. He was, but it, I knew that that deer was absolute toast <laughs> when I shot him. So I really didn't care, you know, where he went to because I knew that he was done. The way with everything, I got to watch the impact of the arrow. It disappeared into him, and I was like, "Okay," hung my bow up. <laughs> You're dead, and then began to freak out. So yeah, I think his. So Josh hasn't shot one with an afflictor yet. Correct. I have not yet. Good guy out. Cool guy, Josh, shooting severs. <laughs> well, I literally had just bought those this summer. I've only shot one deer with them. I plan on getting some of the afflictor hybrids. Tell me you want to be like Jacob Emery when you grow up. without. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what's funny is he said, I don't know if it was in one of our conversations or a post or what, but I remember him saying um, he's had the same thing. Like he's not getting great penetration, but the freaking deer running 40, 50 yards and tipping over. I'm like, I think there's something to this. <laughs> there's, I mean, when you hit a deer with an ax, you know, it, it's got a big asshole in it. Mm -hmm. it, can't, it. It can't, do what it did with the one inch one and one eighth inch 
head. Your broadhead stays in too and does more damage. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I wonder how much of that is going on. I it almost it makes me want to gut a deer just to see. So I haven't gut I've not gutted I'm not gutted a single deer this year. Yeah, you no. you just been doing the gutless method. Yeah. We've got four of mine. Ah, uh, um, me and Bruce did gut. Yeah, I was gonna deer. say you did gut your deer there. Yeah, we did gut those. Um, we didn't have to, no. but I think we did it just to. I forget why we did it. Anywho, um, all right. So now that we've dove down thirty rabbit holes, there <laughs> talked about your trad setup a little bit. Mobile setup. Well, uh, hold on, hold on. Okay. I have a couple questions for Pierce concerning his trad setup. So already went over your setup. So when, how much did you practice with your with your stuff? Like, what was your practice routine that you felt comp like? And what kind of yardage did you feel confident out to shooting? I know you said you're about seven yards, but yeah, I mean, I felt comfortable and confident out to 20, 20, 25 yards. I when you get past twenty, it's there's just so much that can go can go wrong, which I found out in Kentucky that there's a lot that can go wrong at 15 yards. I shot, I took a shot at that deer and he, his brisket hit the ground before the arrow even got to him. Mm. And I didn't stop the deer or anything. I just, I don't know. I, I let it fly and the arrow just, you watch, you can watch it in the video. It sails right over top of his back as he just, falls to the ground but uh which i don't know there's there's so much that you can study and see what when you need to take a shot at a deer whether whether their head's up down or whatever what do you believe head up or head down which do you prefer i thought head up i thought head up Everything that I've ever seen, like on a video, slow down and everything, says head up. Yeah. I always thought head down. And then you watch those videos and you're like, oh, shit. But I don't know if all that, you know, how do you know that's not all situational? You know, did a guy want to make a cool video to get 100,000 views and he only showed, you know, the the head up that was good for him and the head down that was bad you know you never know so yeah i mean it, that buck was head up he was walking and head up and walking and he still ducked your arrow i yeah, mean it's moving faster than a damn insane. baseball would and i feel like yeah. you hit son of a bitch with a baseball <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it which I mean, it's it was public land, but I, at the same rate, I don't think a public land deer reacts faster than a private land deer to a, to a shot. But I've I've talked to a million different track guys, and they 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 tell you, uh, well, some deer react some deer react different than other deer, and I've aimed low and missed missed low and. <laughs> It's like, well, what's the, <laughs> what's the right thing to do? I mean, I could have, I could have been aiming a couple inches lower. I'm typically like a middle of the lungs type of guy. I don't really, I don't really shoot. I don't really take that heart shot, which I think maybe next year I might start aiming at the heart. Yeah. Aim top of the heart. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe. And, I right into it. That Kentucky deer, I think, probably would have spined him if I was aiming a couple inches lower because it caught the top of his back and I had some fat on my fletchings. But tough break. Oh well. Yeah. Yeah. So how how much did you practice over the summer? Oh God. Every chance I had. I was out in the backyard. Canaan has a little recurve and we'd go out back and shoot. We still probably make it out at least twice a week now, even after even after I punched my tag and 
go out and shoot probably twice a week. And I'd say during the summer, it was probably five or six days a week. Nice. Lots, Lots of practice. So, so how, how hard, how hard is the, tra the transition going from, cause you're shooting fingers on the trad bow, right? Yeah. I'm just shooting bare fingers. How hard is it for you to go back and forth between that and a compound and are anchor points the same? Is it, you know, is it, you know, you're instinctively shooting with fingers versus using a release and things like that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty easy. I mean, when you go back to shooting a compound, you're, I, I feel like when I go back to shooting the compound, it's just night and day difference. And I feel like I shoot better when I do go back to, to the compound. But there is no compound to go back to anymore. And that's kind of something I I went all in this year and got rid of my compound and just stuck it out with my recurve because that's all I could. That's all I had and that's all I was going with. So I, a lot you. of the trad guys, a lot of, I've heard a lot of them say for like the last several years, they're like, well, if you want to go all in you get you gotta if you're going to be dedicated to it you have to get rid of the crutch which i don't know i've i've wanted to kill one with my recurve for a long time and finally just said to hell with it and, and luckily my my wife also told me that you're not gonna quit that easy after i sailed one over that buck in kentucky i <laughs> thought about i was i was pretty pissed about it and <laughs> i thought about throwing it throwing it away and just sticking with just going back to the compound but she said no you you've wanted to do this for a long time you're not quitting i thought i thought right she now. wasn't that you make it sound like she was very nice i thought she told you to stop being a little little biatch and then yeah <laughs> keep with that trad her, though i think her exact words were don't be a pussy <laughs> probably probably the most i don't know i was the most proud i think i've ever been <laughs> as a cousin. and i was like all right okay i'll say no more loud Thank and clean oh shoot so tell us about your mobile setup that you were using. What were you rocking in the woods? Um, I always take my silent approach steps just because I can get up a tree pretty fast and pretty effective using those. Um, I think I, what was I probably, I was probably 12 foot. Like I, I was right on the edge of a, of a steeper hill and uh i don't you don't want to get super high when you're shooting a recurve anyways because you're close shots i mean when you get up if you get up to tw even 20 feet and you're shooting down at seven yards i mean it, it's like a one lung type yeah. situation but um yeah i'm rocking my silent approach steps and the elevate what is that the element Elevate uh, Element Ultra. Yeah, Element Ultra. Um, and you didn't you didn't like slip and fall off of that or fall through it. Or my my feet didn't stayed, bend. Stayed on the platform. I didn't try to bend it or anything. It was it was it was a pretty good experience compared to what a lot of other people say that they've had with it. So I was pretty thoroughly impressed with it that's good what what stand were you running before uh what was i running? i think i was running an old muddy yeah. stand. i was running an old muddy because i i've got a bunch of the uh like little receivers that you can uh, leave up all over the place so on some of my private farms i would leave those receivers up and then i could just slide it right down into the into the receiver i remember when those came out i thought man how cool would that be you could just put those on other trees and just slide your stand right into them now we got it we got a made in the shade now man 
Right. And all the cool stuff. A lot of the reason I switched was because that damn thing started getting so squeaky. Every time you'd go to sit down, it'd make a god awful squeak. And oh, yeah. Starting to get pretty annoyed with that. How has your stand performed this season? I haven't had any issues with it. I I love it. I mean, you throw that little thing on your back and go. It packs really nice. How do you feel about the flex of the platform? I I don't really pay you much attention. To it. I mean, it person it, to ask this. It it's got some flex to it, but all, all yeah. of those all of those type of stands have that that flex. I mean, that's what they're designed to do. Sure. Mm -hmm. I would say that one has the most flex out of any stand I've stood on, but it's like, again, you know, it's, when you understand that it's supposed to do that and that you're fine, it doesn't really bother you. The only time I could see it like being any kind of an issue at all is if it got really windy and you're trying to move around and you kind of get off balance and then the wind just knocks your equilibrium off or something during, you know, a part of the flex or whatever. But I just, I've hunted out of it a few times myself and it's just fine to me. I mean, I, I tried to kind of test the, the slidiness, the slickness of the, the platform that everybody said. And I understand, you know, we're in Southern Ohio. That was early season. You put snow on it. Maybe it's a different story, but I don't see it being any different than any other thing. If you're looking for an affordable technical gear style clothing that performs well, that cuts weight from your clothing, but not from your wallet, check out Huntworth. Whether you're hunting early season in Nebraska, mid season in Ohio, or late season in Iowa, Huntworth has a system to keep you comfortable and focused on your hunt. With early season fast approaching, we highly recommend checking out the Durham lightweight hunting pants and the midweight Shelton hoodie. These items paired with an appropriate base layer will perform at a high level in multiple early season conditions when fishing and hunting. So we've been on the search for a new broadhead this year, and after doing some research and kind of looking around, we found this company called Afflictor Broadheads. We got our hands on some of the heads this summer to test out, and guys, I got to tell you, I believe that this head will be in our quiver this fall. Each and every broadhead is hand-assembled in their Texas facility by people who truly care about your experience. This year, I'll be shooting the K2 Mini and the K2 Hybrid, and I got to tell you, I'm absolutely loving them. They fly great, they're extremely durable, and the penetration is just deadly. I can't express it enough. I also love the practice pin feature these guys came out with. So far, I'm really, really impressed. To learn more for yourself, check them out at afflictorbroadheads.com. Yep, and then as far as like my filming setup goes, I'm using a little bit of a different method. <laughs> I have a... I guess I can't. I probably shouldn't say if I want to do something with that. But I keep basically I keep my uh, my cameras out in front of me so I can film more like it's easier to film with my camera out in front of me versus on this locked onto the side of the tree. Yep. I like that a lot better. I'm still going to try to come up with my own little touch for that because that is about as genius as she gets yeah it's pretty versatile and then you're not locked you're not locked into just having to hunt out of a tree too you can hunt off the ground and do whatever you whatever you need to do with it i like that you can raise it up and down too um yeah. when there's branches leaves there's nothing cooler than when you get your camera set up, you turn it on and you're just checking things. And then you come around and there's those leaves and it only wants to focus on those leaves. And that's what, damn sure where the deer are going to be. What? And not only that, but I mean, I, I'm, I lean, I, 
I always sit when I when I'm shooting my deer in it. Like any, every, I think probably the last four or five bucks I've shot, I've shot sit, sitting down. I just don't, I don't get up, wow. move. I'm not moving a lot, and I'm kind of forward in my stand if that makes sense like i'm leaning mm -hmm. forward so if i'm leaning forward and i'm running some kind of uh like a arm on the side of the tree and i'm filming well i can't really it's hard to lean back and and make sure the deer's in frame now if i have my camera right in front of me it's just easy yes. hell yeah is, is that camera stationed like out in front on the center of your platform? Is it off to the side? It's kind of, I can adjust it a little. It's got a little bit of adjustability. I can move it to the right or to the left. But I basically, if, if I'm setting up my shot to be between two or in a certain window, mm -hmm. I want, I want it on the far right or the far left of that window yeah i yeah. prefer the far right of the window so i can m move mm -hmm. easily to the left makes sense that way it's you got your uh your bow arm is obviously holding your bow and then your other hand's free if it's on your right side because you're yeah. right-handed then you can yep. move it as needed that, that's what i i mean i have my arm on a tree but i always have it on the right side because i'm right-handed and right the worst is trying to get it wrapped behind you and then if, when it's on the other side if you need to move it i have had one instance where i've had to grab my boat off of my bow hand and try and use my bow hand to maneuver my camera around and then get back on the bow and that's a hassle right it's a lot of movement too mm -hmm. a lot yeah. of movement trying to get away with um think the biggest thing though is like when i'm going like when i'm walking in and trying to find pick a tree and then try to pick my shots and like the trails and stuff and making sure i'm putting pee out in the right place to where it's going to slow them down enough to where i can get a shot that's what just painting trying to get that picture painted before you get in the tree and then the mornings it makes it pretty tough to do and something i've been doing probably last i don't know last couple years i kind of go in gray light i don't get too excited as far as like getting in there way before daylight so i can kind of see i can kind of work my way in and I, I don't have to worry about bumping deer that are already like that are in the fields and i can kind of hunt my way in and then i can get set up fairly quick and i'm in my tree in probably five to ten minutes and ready to hunt so i i know a lot of guys are gung-ho on getting in there an hour before daylight but i kind of like to see everything kind of break down exactly what i'm in for versus getting up in us getting up in a tree and the pitch dark and next thing you know it gets light and you don't have you don't have any shots it's mm -hmm. that's been the most frustrating thing over the years and i think that's kind of why i transitioned to kind of hunt in the mornings the way i do now if i'm going to a spot that i know i i know what tree i'm getting in i've hunted out of that tree before i i like to get in there a little bit earlier but in this case i hadn't been on that farm this year and i was doing something a little unorthodox from what how i usually hunt that farm because i was using deer pee so i wanted to make sure i had everything all the boxes checked so tell us tell yeah. us a little bit about the uh urine you were using yeah i was just gonna ask that yeah so it's actually uh my dad's uh deer farm um what is it brush creek monsters i think in my video i think in my video i i said buck buck creek monsters on my video i was just so oh, awesome. up. I hope <laughs> i'm sure he i'm sure he's gonna <laughs> when he watches that part of it he's gonna be like 
you couldn't even say our name right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's honestly I've I've used P before in the past, but now it's knowing that you're actually you're taking a bottle and it's hot deer pee. It's it's a night and day difference from some of the experiences that I've had in the past. Uh, Dad actually uh, he actually gives his deer a shot and he puts. I meant to write all. I meant to write all this stuff down before we went dove into this podcast, but I didn't get home until like five minutes before <laughs> we were supposed to start. So uh, I can't remember yeah, if he was, said it like a progesterone or. Yeah, he he hits him with a, a shot, and the vet like it's all vet approved and whatnot, and uh, it sends him into estrus, and they're in estrus for like. I want to say four to five days, which the cool thing is you'll, you know it when they're in estrus too, because they start peeing less. It's strange how that works, but it, I know last year when, um, when he was catching pee that he said, I know they're in because they're peeing, they're peeing way less than what they, what they were peeing. So, and yeah. he'll take, he'll take it, he'll take a jar of pee and he'll take it out by his bucks and you'll see the, they get they get that crazy look in their eye and they start acting nuts so <laughs> get that lip curl going yeah yeah <laughs> but that's awesome it, it's made a freaking night and day difference from hunting with pee in the past to hunting with pee now and knowing it's fresh and it's Actually, Estes and yeah. not some dude went and pissed yeah. in a bottle. I was going right. to say, it's a far cry from the old Tink 69 bottles that you used to Oh, well, easy. We're going to get another damn cease and desist. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything well, derogatory about it. I just said it's a far cry from when yeah, you what used the to. Heck? What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> when you used to go into Walmart or the store and they'd have those little right. orange bottles, I'm you probably still buy the shit. Hell, I don't know. But yeah, like can. Yeah, I, I've not I've not seen a bottle in forever, but I so, just can remember they had those little droppers that you that guys would tie onto their boots walking in to, as a cover scent on every hunting show you ever watched ever. Right. I was um so those last few bottles i went to pierce dad's house and actually picked them up and pierce i think your dad said he bottled them either that night or the day before like they were extremely right. fresh yeah talk, you're not getting something that sat on the shelf for a couple of years or yeah yeah and he was he was telling me i can't remember if if he had worked with someone in the past but he was saying some of these other bigger name companies a lot of what they get is is like herd urine where it's like they'll have like a bucket at the end of a stall and you get like multiple deer that'll be right. essentially it's collected in this trough and your dad collects like a bottle to a doe it's, right it's a yep. legit Makes, process yeah it's it's he's got a pretty cool setup we'll have to go out there next year before the uh, piss season starts and kind of do a little video breakdown. Sure. I think we we're gonna we're gonna be building quite a few more stalls this year because we ran into a little issue where the it takes seven days for like you we can hit them with a uh, I, can't, I can't remember the exact shot that we hit them with but it it sends them in the heat again in seven days from the time you would uh, administer that shot. So I think next year we'll have, we'll probably have five does running like the, for one week and then another five does in that off week. So then there isn't any kind of downtime because that's what we, that's kind of what he ran into this year was that one week off and guys were buying so much that it was ridiculous and i don't know if you guys follow the brush creek monsters page but they've been putting them down with, oh yeah oh with yeah. that stuff so it's it's been pretty cool to watch and i love seeing 
guys actually having success with it and some of the stories that you hear and i yeah. i think in the past i've i've seen i've seen like seen guys holding just holding up a bottle but you never you never hear that story you just see <laughs> holding up a bottle and you don't see a story where oh well he came in with his nose on the ground and i think a lot of guys really don't know how to how to properly use it like, yeah. you kind of want to have it to where it's working in your advantage so yep mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I think that's probably my biggest takeaway from from that this year is um learning how to properly use it i think a lot of people get that or you know a mineral or whatever in their head where they just throw a bag of mineral throw you know some piss or whatever out and deer will come from all over ohio to that spot and that's not how it works you're gonna still hunt the same deer that knows about you probably but um the little tricks that we've talked about um getting on the downwind side of the bedding and and just use you know setting yourself up to where the thermals are keeping you out of that scent pool and throwing that stuff out to not only travel in a different direction than your scent and kind of put you in like an offwind situation but the other thing is man when they they come in there they stop immediately or like you kind of described which is funny to hear you describe that the deer that i missed in indiana <clears throat> came in and it was so funny i had i made i literally poured a whole bottle out i just slung it in like a probably a 25 by 25 foot area i just made this big ass box of piss on the ground and the wind was blowing a certain direction i had a southwest wind and so i thought all right i'm gonna back up i'll be 40 yards off this scrape so i won't be terribly close so if he tries to j-hook in there he's gonna smell this piss i opened some dirt up and uh i thought you know this this could work well the wind died down and a doe came in i've had this happen twice the doe got weird she didn't tail oh, yeah. up. She didn't spook. She came in. She stopped and was just looking around everywhere. <clears throat> and then she went back the way she came. And I thought, you bitch. What are you? You're supposed to have a buck. <laughs> what are you doing? Get your ass back here and be my live decoy, you little idiot. So right. I'm sitting there in my stand kind of depressed. And I threw some milkweed. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> everything was going right to her it was all thermals and i'm in totally flat country but that stuff was able uh, i was 40 yards from the scrape and 63 from her so that was only 23 yards from her the piss was so she was catching those thermals and right. sure as shit last light the buck you know i hear the 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 walking in the leaves the rut stroll and i was like Oh God, I got up immediately. So I'm thinking about packing up. It's almost time. And uh, you know, I'm two and a half hours from home. So I thought, you know, what's what's a few minutes? Well, this is a few minutes. Freaking hear that rut stroll. So I get ready and I look up and he is just back and forth, nose to the ground, back and forth. And you could tell he was trying like hell to figure out where she'd went. He couldn't cut the track, you know, the trail of where the doe was. There's just this big circular, you know, square shape, whatever, this big giant patch of deer urine, and he's trying to cut a track somewhere, basically. And finally, right. you could tell he kind of put his head up and stood there for a second, was like, screw it, and walked right over to where I dumped all that piss near the scrape. Never went to the scrape, but just sat there just taking it in and taking it in and taking it in. And then he started to come down the trail to me. And that's when I was a true national champion and <laughs> completely at 21 yards. So, um, yeah, it, it was neat though, to watch that animal, 
use his nose and try <laughs> like hell to cut her track. Right. One of my favorite stories that dad's told me so far this year, a guy put a bottle out in a mock scrape and had a giant buck come in and literally bedded down right on, right on top of where he dumped that piss out. And he bedded there all night long. <laughs> and then he's like waiting for her to come through or I don't, I don't know, but that's kind of depressing when you think about it. like, that's like going into your apartment and there's a picture of this hot blonde girl with a note that says, here's what I'm going to do to you later. And you wait there all day, all night. <laughs> <and she never laughs> <shows>. <laughs> yeah. That's rough, poor guy. Yeah, that was, and according to the guy that told dad this, it was a 200 inch deer, but I, uh, I haven't, I don't know if either of us saw any pictures to confirm or not, but regardless, yeah, it's pretty cool to hear it. Anyways, oh, yeah, even if so, it's twenty inches. Well, yeah, I mean, the success that's brought on by that kind of stuff is like it, it, it's evident. Like you're, like it's, it's. I don't know. It's cool to see. Like I, I think, I think it's really cool to see um, how well it works. I think it's really cool to see uh, us like your dad's business, you know, being successful with all these things and putting out a good quality product. That that's the important part is that it's not a, you know, it's not a BS product. It, it's a good quality product that people want to have. Yeah. I mean, we could have easily took and been like, Oh, well, we aren't going to be able to sell pee for the next week because the does aren't going to be an estrus and he could have easily took the bottles that he caught the week before and probably cut the bottles with just regular piss and doubled his product but we're not we're not doing anything like that we want everything to be a hundred percent we want to want to be honest and do the right thing and put out the best product we can and that's basically and you know when you do that, it takes, it does everything for itself. It sells itself. It's going to do the work for you. And one thing I will hint on, and I'm sure Rick, have you used any yet? I have not. I've got a, um, I got one of the licking vines up, um, okay. uh, licking branches that I've got a camera set on. Yeah. So, and Josh has used it now. I've used probably damn near everything on them. All the major ones on the market the only one i've never bought is the one where everybody's holding a bottle of pee up and i'll never like i can't get behind that i'm not into that so we won't go there though no more letters um <laughs> i will say as soon as you crack that bottle open like i don't even think you would need to dump any pee out you could probably just open the cap and set that bitch on the ground. It is so unbelievably strong. So much, in fact. And I'm a guy that pretty... I mean, I'm kind of surprised I'm not divorced. I, I I would put that... I used to put that shit on my pants, on my boots, all that. And, and the smell doesn't bother me anyway. But, you know, my wife, different story. Well, <laughs> there's been times where the stuff would spill in a pack or whatever. And, you, I mean... It's not, you can wash that thing plenty and it's still going to be there. And I met Josh in Mount Orb to get the pee. He went out and visited your dad. I had a bunch of stuff going on and I uh, couldn't make it. And he met me. I was in my wife's vehicle. Uh, I was oh, just, no. Lord Heavenly Father, <laughs> hear me when I ask of thee. Please let these bottles be closed perfectly please don't let anything happen to where the stuff spills because I'd used a bottle the week prior, which was when I had the buck come in. And I, I kept thinking like, damn, man, I can smell it. Like I could smell it when the wind yeah. would switch from my stand, when you'd get a little wind switch, I'd be like, damn, I, I can smell the piss. I can long COVID long hauler COVID guy, Chris, who can't smell his kid's dirty diaper 
<laughs> smelling piss at 40 yards. I thought, I wonder what that shit smells like to a normal person. That morning that I killed my buck, when the thermals kicked in, I smelled. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I was like, I was like, oh, man. I, I was like, I, 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 and that buck comes in and he has the same reaction that I did. He goes, uh, uh, he started <laughs> his head off and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, he smells it. And that's another thing I need, I need to hit on. When you put that pee out, it puts their mind on something completely different. And yes. honestly, I'm, I might just keep a little I might keep a bottle for early season just as like a, a stopper throw it out there in front of me in my shooting lane and get him, get his attention on that instead of that arrow coming at him. It's funny. You mentioned that. I remember having thoughts while try Cause I, when I had that buck come in in Indiana, he went behind a tree. And so I draw my bow and then I almost let it down like three times and I was really shifty. And as he walked in the wide open, basically to 21 yards, you know, I'm moving pretty good, you know, following him and coming down and down. And I do remember the thought of how the hell do you not see me? You know, how do you not see this damn fat ass koala up in a tree <laughs> with a botron following you like i'm not being perfectly quiet or anything and it is dead silent in the woods and i i do know that they struggle when they're walking uh especially in those loud leaves you know to pick up on things like they normally would but like you said his mind was somewhere else and and to further prove that i shot at that deer and missed him never touched him he ran like 25 yards and stood there and then just walked, continued on walking. But by the time I got another arrow knocked it, I couldn't see the deer. It was that late. So I was like, no. well, we're not, we're not going to go slinging at blobs. But I, I do remember thinking like, man, that's weird. This idiot doesn't even see me. And then he just kind of wanders off after a, a rocket. Right. A lit rocket flies over his back. Now, I think next year I'll probably I'll probably go back to running cameras just for the simple fact that I want to get some of this stuff on camera, like sure. the scrape, them hitting scrapes and stuff along those lines. But it's fun footage to watch. I have a bunch. Oh, mm -hmm. it's the camera. The cameras are fun, but hunting's pretty fun too. So. Yeah, yeah, I I actually have a an idea that I want to I want to take some of those because I've found two scrapes that I know are worked year round. I've found them when the leaves are green, the ground I, I wouldn't call the ground you know open. I don't know what the true definition of that is, but clearly animals stand there working yeah. on the branch. Um, you know they're not pawing the ground or anything, but that is cleaned out in the fall and doesn't really get to fill up from all of them, you know, coming in over and over. And uh, I thought about hanging a couple of those on the licking branches. And that way you have your guys's deer and then you've got the deer from that area and then take that damn thing and put it, you know, maybe where you want a scrape to get a shot or whatever. I don't know. Right. Just thought I had. Good deal. Yeah, I, I've got a list of things that I want to do next year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Off oh, yeah. the wall, bizarre stuff, but I think it'll work. We'll, we'll keep that in our – I'll keep that in my hat. Keep it in your back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what's everybody's concluders here? Josh, third leg? Mm, third leg concluder. You're tired from being rested? Right. <laughs> I will say it was weird after those first two weeks of being home. Uh, when I went back to work and tried to get more sleep, I felt more tired than when I had a schedule of like getting up like every two, two and a half hours. Yep. It was, it was weird. You had I was like, what in the world? 
it's when you don't have control that it like when the kids wake me up in the morning abruptly when i have time to become i am i'm a champ in the morning when you just ah, and scream <laughs> jumping on me i just want to fly out the nearest window like the cowardly lion and just end it, <laughs> it drives me nuts uh as far as a concluder so take away from what pierce did this year i would say don't be afraid to change things up right if, if you're you know looking for something different or just kind of getting back to your roots if you know, you're getting tired of doing things one way and want to change things don't be afraid to do it right pierce got rid of his cameras just got back to kind of the basics hunting and just doing what he knows and it, it panned out so don't be afraid to change things up you know next year if, if you're looking for something different it's you know it's it's good to do that hell of a reset button that's for mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. yeah. Plus, I mean, you kind of had a string of bad luck going, so it was probably kind of nice to rip that monkey off your back and throw it in the river, huh? Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a nice reset button to hit for sure. Absolutely. Pierce? Uh, hunt your hunt. I'll kind of follow up with John said. Do, do what you want to do. <laughs> Don't yeah. do use use the weapons you want. I feel attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting attacked. Uh, I have something to admit after we we hit the stop button on the record here. We got we got some messages flowing. They're not pretty. Um uh, there's there's plenty of guys that they just get wrapped they get wrapped up into what so and so is doing or what other people are doing and it just doesn't apply to them. So it's like, you just gotta hunt your the way you want to hunt and do it your way. So I'm going to take a small page out of Pierce's book. What he talked about, he mentioned this a little bit ago, uh, and I actually had the same mindset this year, um, starting in Kentucky which was don't get caught up in like being so, you know, uptight about being set up a half hour before light or an hour before light. Don't be afraid to go in and check things out at first light, you know, be at your spot when it's daylight and kind of scout your way in and, and to take it another step further. Um, don't, don't settle for a spot because you've wanted to sit there and now we're there and you know maybe things don't look as good as you thought they would but you wanted to sit there look around and scout around and find find what you need to find whether it be you know your buck sign or food or i mean pierce talk all the time about a bunch of boxes needing checked off with food being pretty damn important if you don't have those things then don't be afraid to just keep going until you do have them because it's not worth your time. Well, I mean, maybe it is worth your time uh, to just sit there, but I would much rather have the odds in my favor and maybe kill a deer. So, but I'll, I'll say hunt your hunt. If you like to sit and watch the sun, you do you boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine, uh, as always, if you have the ability to get somebody in the outdoors, please go ahead and do that great time of year uh we are heading into december which opens up a whole other host of things depending upon what state you're in uh by the time this is out i think uh kentucky's shotgun third third turkey season will have come and went uh, we have a third shotgun season in kentucky um good god <laughs> gotta kill all them birds uh apparently but uh i do i i have i have one big one uh my cousin tony uh during this past week i talk about you know obviously my concluder every week is to get somebody out in the woods my cousin tony has uh what we would call adult onset hunting he decided a couple years ago that he wanted to really make give it a go at this and he wanted to you know kill a deer he's uh he came to deer camp last year during gun week i took him out hunting 
on a WMA near my parents' house. And this year he really put boots on the ground, uh, scouted a ton during turkey season, scouted a ton during the off season, and he would just go kind of like on a walkabout. And he hunted with me at deer camp this past year uh, uh, with archery stuff that he's been practicing with. But the other day he finally got to take his first deer uh, during Ohio's gun opener. And, um, you know, I'm real proud of him. I think it's a real cool thing. Anytime that you see somebody that you've uh, helped along at all, get, get an animal and ethically harvest it. Uh, and it go down quick and easy. And I, I couldn't be, more excited for him. So Tony, I'm real proud of you. And if you guys are out there and you see somebody needing help dragging a deer out, help them drag it out. Like don't have somebody. I've seen four posts today about guys saying, Oh, I'm not in good health. Probably shouldn't drug that deer out, but thanks for the young kid who helped me. You know, doesn't take much time to, you know, especially at last light, get down out of your stand, help somebody if you see him struggling. So. Oh yeah, man. Yep. Look out for, Look out for other people in the woods and uh, be that as it may. This has been Fueled by the Outdoors. I've been your host, Rick Cates, co-host, Chris Leppert, third uh, wheel, kickstand, leg, Josh Luck, and we've been joined tonight by Pierce Moore. Guys, thanks for listening to us. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. See you.